I'd like to ask you a question. In this message, um, which I preached in the past, this particular passage has become very important to me, uh, if not regularly. In Corinthian epistles, uh, which I'm so glad to report, uh, I had 10 girls signed up for next semester and one guy. I think Michael Beam heard there was 10 girls, so he signed up. Uh, Since then, we've added a few more men. I look forward to that class. We just finished uh, 2 Corinthians this semester. And one of the things I told the men in that class is, you know, you don't hear this very often. But in my opinion, um, of the thousands of books, I'm sure there are, that have been written over the centuries on philosophy of ministry, This is a book, the entire book, that God allowed us to have that really deals with how to do ministry. I don't know of any book that is clear from God's viewpoint through Paul on how we should behave and live to do ministry. And I'd like to share a piece of this. So the title is How to Have a Supernatural Life or How Not to Quit. They're both true in this passage. Now, someone just recently preached a little bit out of this passage. When they read chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. That's really the, the heart of the entire chapter. Paul talks about not quitting, not stopping doing ministry. Skip down to verse 7. But we have this treasure... And brethren, I'd like to remind you, the word treasure there refers back to the ministry. We all who are saved have this treasure, this opportunity to serve Jesus Christ in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. Heavenly Father, as we look at this passage, a passage that has so often encouraged my heart, I pray that you'd encourage especially the freshmen. Thank you for them. Lord, thank you for all the students. We pray that student, faculty, staff, once again would be reminded from Paul's testimony. How, Lord, that we should not faint. In fact, we should be living every day of our life a supernatural life. Help us, Lord, to that end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first time I heard this chapter, even though I've taught it for many decades, the first time I ever heard it encapsulated and, and, and shared was at my church here in Lattimore. And one of my dear friends, John Stevens, preached this message. Now, I've changed a little bit. I asked Brother Stevens, I said, Brother Stevens, that message absolutely knocked me sideways. Thank you, thank you. I came back later as he was our interim, and I said, would you mind if I can preach that. He said, well, Joel, you just go ahead. Over the years, I've made a few slight changes, but I'll never forget Brother Stevens preaching that at our church when we really needed to hear this encouragement. Young people, you're going to be leaving in a few days, and you'll get back to what you think is normal. I found when I made my first Christmas from Bible college, it wasn't what I remembered. It had changed. Actually, I had changed. And I want to encourage you as you Step forward today with the final. By the way, Brother Beal told me uh, the next final doesn't start till 1230. I can have as long as I want. So I appreciate that. I want you to notice the first thing Paul says. 
He says in verse 1 and verse 7 that all believers have this treasure, this incredible honor that we can do ministry. But we have this opportunity in earthen vessels. If you were to research why Paul wrote earthen vessels, those were the cheapest. Today, they'd be paper plates. I mean, earthen vessels were the cheapest bowls and and plates that a, a person in that day could buy. You you knew it wouldn't last long, and if you dropped it, it didn't matter. You could just go get a cheap earthen vessel. What an interesting way to comment about the believer's life. But he puts it in comparison. Now, I want to share with you five things Paul says through this chapter. And if you will let the Holy Spirit get a hold of you this morning, then you won't quit. You won't quit. In fact, you'll be able to live a supernatural life. Number one, Paul is saying in verses 7 through 11, and I want you to see this as he describes his ability to keep going. He had thought about it. He said, let me tell you the reason why I'm not going to stop by God's grace. Number one is I, Paul saying to you and me, that we need to realize that what God is doing in us is always more important than what's being done to us. Let me repeat that. What God, every day of your life, young people, mine too, every day that we live, we need to stop and think. What God's doing inside of me right now, and especially when it's bad things, God, you're doing something inside of me, and I need to remember that's more important than what's happening to me. You know your flesh is like mine. Our first reaction is, why is this happening now? Why is, it, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening the way it's happening? It's not fair. Stop. If you're going to continue, don't look at life like that. As a believer, say to yourself, you know what? I see what's happening to me, but I need to think about and accept what God's doing inside of me. You notice Paul says in verse 8, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. You know, if you were to compare those couplets, you'd find out Paul is admitting something about his life. He said said that we're troubled. That means to be pressed down upon, but not distressed. That means to be in a narrow place. Perplexed, that means to not know what to do. I, I can't decide anything, but not in despair. To renounce all hope. He says we're persecuted, which means to be made to run or flee, but not forsaken, which means to be abandoned, to leave helpless. We're cast down, literally thrown down to the ground, but not destroyed, to kill, to abolish. You see, my friends, Paul was saying, you know how I've learned not to quit? I'm always recognizing that what's happening at any time. It's more important for me to get a hold of God and say, God, what are you showing me? What are you doing inside of me? That's way more important than what's happening to me. You know, Paul would say it this way in verse 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that, or in order that, the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. As you get older, you will find... As you look back, and you're already looking back a little bit, but your perspective becomes quite broader as you get to be older. You will begin to realize, if you haven't quit, that, you know, I've got to hold on to what Paul said. 
that what God's doing in me is way more important than what's happening to me because God wants me, like all His children, to bring Him glory. You ever think about the things that you struggle with this semester? God's plan was that the excellency of His power might be known, not yours. Not yours. And you've got to admit, guys, after... I know so little about so many people, but listening to testimonies, I just gotten the idea that God's gotten us through some things this semester, hasn't he? Doesn't he deserve the glory for that? Number two, I want you to see not only number one, realize what God's doing in you is far more important than what's happening to you. Number two, realize, or excuse me, resolve to live your life for others. Resolve to live your life for others. He says in verse 12, Verse 10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Did you see, my friends, that Paul said death worketh the E-T-H ending in our English Bible there? Students tells us continuous action. Paul said, you know, as a believer, I've had to learn this second truth that I, no matter what comes at me, I've got to live for other people. That's not easy. But that's what you and I must resolve to do if we're going to stay in ministry, if we're going to continue a supernatural life. Paul said, you know what I've realized? Death is always working in me so that life can be always working for you. He said, you know, I believe just like other people. And I'm not going to stop believing that God called me, God saved me, God has a purpose for my life. I'm going to keep believing that because the real purpose of that is in verse 15. All things are for your sakes. That the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. You see, my friends, this morning, God's calling all His children, not just Ambassador Baptist College faculty, staff, and students, but really all God's people, but no one more than us in this room, that yes, death will always be working in us. You're never going to get away from that. Don't let that discourage you. Recognize that And he's not just speaking biologically. The older you get, the closer you get. Things are dying in your body. He's talking more than just that. He's talking about the way the world works. But death works in us so that by faith we can help others live. Know Christ. Be saved. Live the Christian life so that one day and even now many may redound. That word redound means to exceed a fixed number. I'm thankful, Brother Luke and I, we, um, especially with the passing of my father-in-law, we've been talking a lot more about 
people in our past, um, in our Bible college days and seminary days, it's, it, it's, it's actually a blessing to be able to talk about some of these men and women. We, um, many years later, 40 plus years later, are still giving glory to God for those people. That's the meaning of what you and I are to be. You say, but it's not fair. Death's working me over. Death's always coming at me. Yes, but by God's power, you will cause many in your lifetime and in your ministry to redound, to give glory to God that you may not ever hear. But that's the purpose of living a supernatural life, of not quitting. I'm reminded of a a, a story I came across. It's from a book, uh, actually a commentary on 2 Corinthians. The writer says... He talks about a man named Lee Kuan, pastor of an, of an underground persecuted church in China. Kwan would tell this story. He lived in a very filthy, tiny cell, but he prayed daily while he was an imprisoned pastor that God might give him a ministry. One day, he called to his jailer. He called his name, Sugan. He said, Sugan, sir, please, I have a request for you. Unless you can pay me, I, I care nothing for your request. What is it, prisoner? Well, can I do some labor for you? The prison guard stared at the inmate with surprise and contempt. This prison is so filthy. There is waste everywhere. The rats and roaches feed on it. You are not a prisoner, but you must feel like you are. You must breathe this foul air to walk carefully because of what oozes out of the cells. I can help you. Let me go into the cells one by one and clean up this filthy place. Give me water and a brush and soap. I will show you what I can do. My father was a a street sweep, uh, a great clear of the ground, the finest in China, and I am my father's son. The story is told later when an American friend was allowed to visit him in prison. Quan was beaming with joy. They touched hands through the chain link fence, and his friend spoke. Quan, you smell like soap. Yes, Quan beamed, his face and voice surprisingly animated. This is better than I smelled last time, eh? I have, one, I have wonderful news for you. You must tell my family in my house church. God answered prayer. He has given me a ministry. What? The American said. Yes, I go from cell to cell, bringing Jesus' message But I thought you were in an isolated cell. God opened the door. I go to the other men. Most have never had anyone else come into their cell except to beat them. I help and serve them as I clean their cells. I bring them the love of Yesu. Twelve men have I visited. And when I left their cell, six I did not leave alone. What do you mean? When I left, Yesu was with them. You know, what a beautiful story of a man, a true story of a man who understood, friends, That our life, yes, death may work in us, but that others might have life. And that they would redound to the glory of God. Number one, realize what God's doing in you is always more important than what is happening to you. Number two, resolve to live for others. Number number three, renew your your inner life daily. Renew your inner life daily. That's what Paul says in verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Jeremiah Clark in chapel back in 2018 made this comment. 
Quote, you can grow while you're dying. End quote. You can grow while you're dying. What a tremendous truth. But the fact is, you and I must renew our inner life daily. That word uh, outward is the word, Greek word exo. And it will perish. And it, but it must be renewed. You cannot renew without the Spirit of God. Without the power of God. And yet everyone in this room has the supernatural ability, if we'll just focus on that, to be renewed day by day. Reminds me of Romans. Romans 12, 1 and 2, which we need to hear many times. And if you've been raised in a Christian church, you go to camp, you've heard it many times. You've heard it here in this pulpit many times. And we need to hear it every day. And be renewed by the... Uh, and be transformed by the renewing. It's the same word used here in this verse, the renewing of your mind. You see, could it be the day that you decide to quit or the day you decide to faint was the day that you decided not to be in God's word and not to allow the Holy Spirit to renew you? Class, it doesn't matter how old you get. doesn't matter how long you've been in school. If you're a believer today, you and I need to be renewed every day. Skip a day. Skip two days. Do that too often. And you will either quit or you surely will be tempted to quit. Number one, realize what's happening in you is way more important. What God's doing in you is more important than what's happening to you. Number two, resolve to live your life for others. Number three, renew your inner life daily. Number four. Verse 17, rest in the fact that you're only here temporarily. That's a little harder, I think. I might not be speaking correctly, but based on my past thinking as a younger man, I think it's a little harder for you to think that way than us older folks. You know, we feel like we're getting a lot closer to our time of glory and with Christ. But you know what? The truth is, it doesn't matter how old you're here, how old you are in this room. You and I must rest in the fact, this is not our home. This is not permanent. This is temporary. Brother Dan Reed, who many of you don't know. In fact, there's only a few people maybe in the room that remember Pastor Reed. Brother Bill, Brother Hanky, I know remember Pastor Reed. Last time he preached, he was in a wheelchair. He's passed. He's with the Lord, faithful pastor. But he wrote a commentary on 2 Corinthians. And he wrote something that I thought fit this so well. The fact that you and I must renew our inner life every day. I said every day. You see, in, in Bible college sometimes we have important days and not so important days. But you know, it's every day that God allows us to have life. That's a gift right there if you think about it. We need to ask God to help us be renewed. The idea is to be remade new. That's what the word means. Let me read you what he said. I found this very, very unusual. He said, most of us Christians are dull of hearing. We are slow to learn God's ways. God's way of working for us is when he seems to be working against us. So you see, the best time in your marriage may not be what you think is the best time. The best time may be the struggle you are going through to work character in the both of you so that your marriage is stronger than ever. Great marriages are not made at the wedding nor on the honeymoon. Great marriages come 
out of working through conflicts. The best time between you and a dear friend may not be when you're getting along, but when you're in disagreement. For it is when you can learn to get along and stay together and keep a friendship when you disagree that you cement a relationship more tightly than ever. The best time in your life as a church member may be when you are unhappy in your church, when you can't stand the preacher because God is then doing something in you and for you that cannot be done in times of agreement and smooth sailing. The two most fruitful times of my life as far as producing eternal values in me were the first year of my ministry after which I was voted out of my church. It was a difficult time, but oh, what an appreciation of people that time worked in me. That as a pastor, that I as a pastor could not trample on people to get what I wanted as the pastor. I learned out of that experience to lead people where I wanted them to go, not to drive them. The second most fruitful time was a period after my operation, after returning from the Mayo Clinic, when I honestly thought I had a short time to live. I learned in that difficult period to appreciate my wife and my family and my church and friends and the value they have to me. May I say to you, you do not learn valuable truth in times of cheap thrills and shallow mountaintop experiences. David said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might, know, might learn thy word. Jacob said, when his sons came back from Egypt with terrible news, all these things are against me. He knew not that at that very time, God was working out his family difficulties. That is why we must learn, if we would not faint, to treasure our afflictions to welcome them as friends because they work in us and for us more value than anything else can work. What truth. You see, my friends, today, which may have started out a little difficult for you, and you might be thinking about this week and and all the work you have to get done in finals. Remember, God's not done working on you. He's very aware that you have finals. He's very much aware that maybe you've been a little lazy about your projects. But you need to remember this is only temporary. Now, Paul says in verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Not only do we need to have our life renewed, I'm almost done every day, but we need to remember that we're only here temporarily. He said that everything that happens to us, everything that worketh in us, It's for a tremendous conclusion. And he says, our light affliction. Can I read for you? Can you read with me just before I close with that last point? What Paul called light affliction? Keep your finger there. Go to chapter 11. Let's read a few verses. Look at chapter 11. This is Paul's definition, I believe, of light affliction. Let's read beginning in verse 23. This is 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own country, countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? And am I not weak? Who is offended? And I burn not? 
For if I must need glory, I will glory the things which concern mine infirmities. Class, after reading something like that, you've got to think it this way. (laughs) Wow, and all I have is a final today. It's interesting to me that Paul purposely, moved by the Holy Ghost, writes, he says, for our light affliction worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. They are two exact opposite words. In fact, the word weight is the word baros. We get barosphere, um, uh, deep submergible uh, submarines that we can go down as far as we know into the ocean's depths. The idea is of a very heavy burden to go down. And Paul used this in a very interesting way, not in a negative way. He said, you know, when I, when I remember that I'm only here temporarily and when I see through faith and the promises of God, this tremendous glory, this tremendous treasure, the Lord Jesus, he said, it's just so overwhelming. Ah, everything else that happens in this life, nothing. Again, number one, realize that what's happening in you, God's doing that. And that's, listen, get a hold of what God's doing in you right now. Some of you've got some time. This is a time in your life we don't take for granted as faculty. We remember it wasn't that long ago sitting in Bible college, not having money, being afraid, can I pass my classes? What's going on in my, back home? What about my health? We went through these things. We still do go through them, but we're not better than you. We'll never be better than you. We just want for you what sometimes we've the hard way had to learn. And that is God's doing something in you and in me. And that's way, way more important. Secondly, you need and I need to resolve to live our lives for others. Do you know what our uh, go-to default is when we're having a hard time? Selfishness. Withdrawal. Why doesn't anyone think of me and help me? Listen, that's, that's a, a sure prescription for quitting. Just say, God, <laughs> I don't feel like it. And maybe no one else knows I'm here, but by your grace and with your power, I will live for other people. Number three, renew your inner life every day. Number four, rest in the fact that you and I are only here temporarily. And in closing, verse 18, Remember why you're here. Remember why you're here. Verse 18, Paul said, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, eternal. The word look is the the word scopeo. And we get different English words, microscope. Telescope. A microscope helps you see things that are very tiny. With, with your naked eye, you couldn't see them. A telescope is for you to see so far out there. Again, without it, you couldn't see. You realize Paul said, you know, this fifth thing is very important. While I'm living my life, I need God's help to see things that I with my natural eye would not see. Maybe especially when I'm shipwrecked and being beaten, I want to see the things that God wants me to see. And they're not always the temporal things, the things that you can see, smell, taste, touch. But they're eternal things, everlasting things. 
Dan Reed would go on to say it this way. The, mo- most imp- the more important thing is not that my outward man be well, but that my inward man be well. You see, you didn't quit the work of God because you were physically tired. You quit because your inner man was not strong enough to go on. It wasn't the fact that you were hurt, but that you were not strong enough to bear the hurt. That is so true. You know, when you get to be Brother Lucan's age, in my, in the age of some of the dear faculty, and staff here. Sometimes when you get to talk to students for the first time, they'll say, uh, so, Brother Spencer, how long have you been in ministry? And you say 41 years. It's, it's funny. I, uh, Brother Roger, I think we must have done the same thing. You know, we're 18, 19. And a faculty member says, well, I've been in ministry 40 years. And you're here? I mean, you, you survived? Students, every, every faculty and staff member, every staff member, every faculty member, even the ones we've lost that have gone on to heaven, if you were to ask them, at least the ones I know, they're never going to take any credit. How in the world could a sinner saved by grace take credit? Our lives are to cause you and your life to cause others now and in the future to redound to His glory. Some of you have tempted to quit. The faint. It's because you're not following Paul's five secrets of life. I heard on the way in this morning on Christian Radio a story. The preacher mentioned that um, he said back in 1984, he went to China with his wife. And they heard so many stories going back to the Boxer Rebellion of the 20s, 1920s, when communism began to take over China. And there were lots and lots of missionary martyr stories. But even later, through the, through the decades, they would hear more stories. And one of the, the, the early stories that they were told by the Chinese believers was, Shortly after the Boxer Rebellion, uh, one school, they decided to put a cross just outside the entrance and, and exit of the school. They put it in the, on the ground, and they told the students that if you walked on the uh, cross to leave school, you would live. But if you walked around the cross, you would be shot. Killed instantly. It's said that the first nine students that walked out walked up to the cross purposely standing on it, some stomping. They were allowed to go on. The tenth student was a girl. And this girl reportedly knelt down before that cross and prayed aloud that God would give her grace to walk around. She did. She was immediately shot by a firing squad that was standing right there. After she was shot, it said that of the rest of the students, 90 more students were killed through the rest of the day. Now, not all of them walked around, but 90 more students. 
You know, those were just young Chinese people. The world knows nothing about them. We know maybe just a little story. And I think of the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of believers over these last 2,000 years. Only God has inscribed their worth and their value. I'm not hoping that all of us have to be martyred for Christ's sake. But you know what? I'm not willing to even concern myself about that. Today is the day that God's asked me to live my life for you, for him. Today is the day that I've got to learn that whatever comes my way, and by the way, there's no one in this room, there's no one on this platform, there's no male or female student or faculty member or staff member that doesn't have something going on inside of them that in some cases, without Jesus, what would we do? But remember, while you're going through it, God has a reason. Keep focused on living for others. Keep focused on being renewed every day. Remember, this is only temporal. Because one day, I don't know, I'm a little slow on my feet, so it might take me longer than you. But seconds after I wake, my eyes in heaven open. Aren't you going to be like me? A mixture of joy and like, oh my word, it's just incredible I'm here there's my savior or will you have a moment of shame why didn't I do more why didn't I follow Paul's advice I quit way too early will you have a supernatural life will you not quit heavenly father help my brothers and my sisters help me Lord we have like Paul this this treasure not just of salvation, but of serving you in earthen vessels. And we are so weak. Father, help us. But Lord, help our focus to be like Paul's so that one day until you call us home, we'll not be quitters. Lord, help us to long to live the supernatural. And Father, I pray that you'd help all of us today. For your glory, we ask in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen.